Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heel Turn, our live weekly wrestling show and the official podcast for Wrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's not cool. This week we are here to talk about what's going on this weekend in the WWE, which means we're going to talk about NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 and SummerSlam, which will be a thousand hours probably. But don't worry, we're going to take the show to focus on all 500 matches that are have been announced for the weekend, break them down, give my predictions, it's going to be fine. Hopefully. I'm your host, Owen, and we are streaming this live over at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. So if you're joining us live for the chat, feel free to leave comments and questions, and we will get to them as we deem fit. Also on Twitter at the Heel Turn. How's everyone doing? It's another week here on Heel Turn. Still riding solo, but that's okay. I've got you guys tuned in along with me, and this is a special week because not only is this episode dedicated to the SummerSlam weekend, and you know, recapping all the matches that are happening at Takeover and at SummerSlam over in Brooklyn. Also, this is the final week of ProWrestling.Cool's coverage of the G1 Climax 28, because that wrapped up over the weekend, and what we have planned on the website is we will have a free episode on the Heel Turn feed, so after this episode on, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, there'll be another episode, which will be me and our buddy Trace Evans. Recapping the final, well, almost the final three days of the G1 Climax. So, if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon at patreon.com slash pwc, this is a little taste of what we've been doing for the past month. So you get that for free, and then for those who are subscribed at the 9.99 tier, you'll get a, a special episode of me and Trace going over the finals and, you know, just recapping our thoughts on the whole tournament. So that should be fun. Make sure you check those out on this feed and at Patreon. And we've we've got uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about uh, this week because not only do we have the two big shows this weekend to recap or like give our predictions for, but also there's a bunch of news going on. That's right, it's time for the news. And, uh, first bit of news this week is a bit of a sad one. Uh, the father of, uh, Natalia Neidhart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, passed away this past weekend at the age of 63. It's always a tough one to see these young deaths happen in professional wrestling, but... We're still not out of that era yet. They're still going to be keep coming. And this one was especially sad because he had suffered from Alzheimer's. And uh, he took a pretty nasty fall over the weekend. And that was what did him in. So we're sending out lots of love, lots of thoughts to the whole Neidhart and Hart families. You know, it's never easy. So uh, just hang in there. It's just a bummer. 
In the happier news, though, SmackDown is celebrating its 1,000th episode this year. And it will pl- take place on October 16th from Washington, D.C. And if it's anything like Raw's big 1,000 episode, expect a lot of appearances. I hear the big show is probably going to be there. The Rock will make an appearance since the show is named after him. The Undertaker may appear. It's going to be a star-studded event. Hopefully it's more than... And I know this is tough to say, but I hope it's more than two hours so they have plenty of time to actually, you know, do the good wrestling show with all these antics going around it. But that'd be fun. Unfortunately, I don't think I will be able to make it down to DC for that show because... October is a bit of a crazy month for me since I'll be traveling out to London at the end of the uh, at the end of the month, which will be interesting for this show because I want to figure out a way to broadcast from the UK. I'll have to figure out the details on that. I'm I'm sure the times will be all crazy, but we we still got a few months before we have to deal with that. So SmackDown 1000 in October. Hopefully, it doesn't take away too much from the actual program. The other bit of news we got here is that WWE 2K19, you know, that video game series they keep putting out for some reason, is going to have the return of the showcase mode, which friend of the friend of the podcast, friend of the site, Oscar, is thrilled about. For some reason, because he likes bad things. It's the reason we don't have him on this show. But he's thrilled, because it's going to focus on Danny Bryan's career. It's going to go from, I'm guessing, from his NXT days up to his return at WrestleMania last year. And uh, some details have come out about it. It's going to have 12 matches. Uh, The last one will be the WrestleMania match, which... Teaming up with Shane. Um, I believe also confirmed is the Bray Wyatt match. In the steel cage from Raw. And... Oddly enough, which I told Oscar they were going to include and he didn't believe me. The WrestleMania 28 match against Sheamus. Which lasted like 16 seconds. So how they're going to handle... The whole likenesses to AJ Lee. Not sure. I bet they could get... 2K seems to be good with this stuff. I'm sure they can get the license. We definitely will not get the Danny Bryan versus CM Punk match from from uh, Over the Limit. That's absolutely not going to happen. CM Punk, kind of a dick. I didn't put it in the news, but I, I guess I should talk about the CM Punk news. Let me... Let me let me add a note in the note in the uh the notes here. CM Punk is a dick. So if you haven't heard the news, the whole uh thing the whole court case with the WWE doctor that was involved with CM Punk and the Colcabana that wrapped up right before his big UFC fight recently. But now another lawsuit is taking place with 
Kolkabata suing CM Punk. And you may be wondering, why would these friends be suing each other? And that's because Kolkabata would not have gotten into this whole court debacle if CM Punk had not promised to pay for all his legal fees. And when, and I, I'm hearing that it was in 2016 this happened, that CM Punk sent a letter said, no, fuck you. Uh, we're, I'm not, I'm not paying for your bills. I'm gonna give you half the bill, and then you're on your own. So, yeah. Screwed over Kolkabata, who could have easily just taken down the podcast, that it was the whole issue, and not have had to deal with any of this. Now I had to pay, like, a lot of money for this court case. And I believe he's suing CM Punk for 200 thousand dollars in damages and about a million dollars in other fees so i'm pretty sure sampo is good for it he's got all that ufc money doesn't he so yeah that guy's an asshole shock jockey news right can't believe it speaking of lawsuits funny enough our next news story is another lawsuit and that is Jeff Jarrett and Global Force Entertainment is suing Anthem Sports. You know, the, the lovable Canadian company that owns Impact Wrestling. Because they have been doing a bit, little bit of a no-no. If you, if you don't remember back when Jeff Jarrett was coming back into the, the Impact family after Anthem owned them. There's a whole merger going on with GFW and Impact. And then all of a sudden, Jeff Jarrett had a bit of a substance problem and went into rehab and the whole thing just fell apart. Well, during that, they had began talks about the merger, but they never finalized. And also, as part of this, this conversation... Jeff Jarrett was going to retain the rights to Amped, which was those TV shows that he recorded a while ago in Las Vegas. But instead, Impact has been airing those on pay-per-view and putting out a DVD of these shows, which they don't have the rights to. Whoops. That's a problem. Also, this whole Global Force Network streaming service they have... Yeah, that's Jeff Jarrett's branding, too, that they're using, so... Again, whoops. Using stuff we don't own. That's a problem. So this thing's a whole sticky situation. Not sure how this is going to go. I'm not a legal expert, but apparently... As my former co-host used to say, we're the number one... You know, podcast about politics, since we're a wrestling podcast... Apparently we'd also be the number one podcast about law. About American laws. With copyrights and court cases. It's it's a whole deal. It's a lot. Our final news story, though, is revolving around this Sunday. Because this Sunday is SummerSlam. And a certain Universal Champion is highly considering going to the UFC 
And by that, I mean he's back in the USADA testing pool. So, yeah, he's going to go back to doing the cage fighting. However, as I reported last week, he had a meeting and he kind of wants to do both. He wants to do WWE and the UFC. So now the reports are coming in that Brock Lesnar will have a meeting with the WWE higher-ups at 4 o'clock on Sunday, right before SummerSlam, to discuss what his future is with the company. Is he going to go with WWE? Is he going to go with UFC? Or is he going to go with both? An interesting scenario. So... Who knows what will go on in that meeting, who's going to be in it, but the point is, there is a chance Brock Lesnar could retain the Universal title on Sunday and go into the UFC trying to gain both belts at once, which would be a crazy feat, which I could totally see happening, so that's what, that's what to look out for on Sunday. If he retains the belt, he is going to definitely be working with both companies at the same time. That'd be interesting. I'd be curious to see how that goes. So if no one in the chat has any other things they would like to discuss, then we can move on to talk about the first show of the weekend. Like I said, we're not doing the weekly TV recaps this week because that'll be encapsulated in our discussions, because there's a lot of matches on this card. There's like 13 matches on Sunday, and then there's five on Saturday. That's nearly 20 matches. It's crazy. But that's fine, we're going to talk about it, though. Let's get into it. Saturday is NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. The fourth of these. I know. Can you believe it? Four straight years of these takeovers, and also, which means four straight years of SummerSlam being at the Barclays Center. I was fortunate enough to be at the first two. But since then, the whole deal with, number one, money, it being super expensive to go out there for the weekend, bringing all the podcast equipment, doing all the shows... I love doing it. If we got had more support with the site, we'd be able to do it more easily. But it wasn't feasible the last year. And this year, I'm by myself. So, it's not quite as easy to be able to do it. Doing a solo show. So, we're going to be reporting from about SummerSlam from here. Not going to the shows this time. Plans for WrestleMania weekend, though, up in the air. Not sure what we're going to do with that. Most likely, there will at least be something involving the Saturday show at the Garden. Since we've already let the cat out of the bag that we're attending that show. So let's get on to it. The first match, actually take over Brooklyn 4. Velveteen Dream versus EC3. I'm not crazy about this feud. Which is weird because Velveteen Dream is great. EC3 is 
uh, I I don't want to say great. His his run so far in the WWE has been fine. He hasn't really had anything to really sink his teeth into. His feuds so far were, I'm debuting and I'm going to be in a ladder match. And then, whatever the hell that Kona Reef stuff was a few weeks back. So, what we have now is Velveteen Dream versus EC3. They had a segment trying to build this up a few weeks ago. Where we had... It's hard to describe, because they were saying that EC3 was going into Velveteen Dream's world, and by that, they were at EC3's pool? Or was it Dream's pool? Not not quite sure what was going on there. But... What we had there was... An awkward conversation of these two characters not really sure how to communicate with each other and trying to be their own gimmicks and it kind of fell flat. It ended with Dream going into the pool, which I I guess is fine. It wasn't anything special. But we did have a uh, some sit-downs of the, these two talking. When I, when I sit down, it's actually an in-ring segment this week. I was thinking of the Ciampa Gargano stuff. They had an in-ring segment with Velocity Dream coming out this week wearing a fanny pack for reasons. Not not sure why, they, why that was happening, but he came out. He was being weird. EC3 came out being weird. This is weird. The crowd was super into it, though, which is a good sign. They were chanting for both of them. They were chanting for the fanny pack. I'm sure this match will be fine. The storytelling, though, not really doing it for me. Which is a shame. Because Dream has had some really stellar feuds so far. Well, ignoring the Catch a Zona one. We don't, we don't need to talk about that one. But yeah, that's what we have. We have these two in a, in a match of being weird, but also being good wrestlers and popular. Um, I'm gonna say EC3 is gonna win this match. Oddly enough. I think EC3 needs to win more, because he hasn't really had a big win. His one big match, as I said, was the ladder match, which he lost. The Colonel Reeves thing on TV was nothing. So this is really a big step for EC3 to, you know, solidify himself and Go over the dream. Who has been on a hot streak of his own though. And normally I would say. You know he needs the momentum to continue on. To possibly get a title shot. But with Alistair Black. Throwing a wrench in it by getting injured. And once again. Us being stuck with Gargano and Ciampa. And just flooding the main event scene. I don't see a place for him. So it would be good to at least give EC3 some momentum. Perhaps one of these two could go for the North American title. I'm not quite sure what to do with this. But that's my prediction. I think EC3 is going to pull this one out. Next, we have, speaking of the North American title, 
We have Adam Cole defending the title against Ricochet. Which, yeah, this is going to be a great match. So, the feud here has been Ricochet pretty much calling Adam Cole a coward because he won't really defend his belt against anyone, which, I mean, he has been defending his belt against kind of like no-name people, but still, he's been, he has been defending his title. He didn't defend it the last takeover, though, which is a good point. He was in the corner of the Undisputed Era. But this will be an excellent match because Adam Cole, on fire, has been great. Ricochet, also great, came off that win against Velveteen Dream. Weird, as I said before. Use Dream as a stepping stone for a title, and it being the North American title. That's what Ricochet was doing. So this match will be great. It probably won't reach the levels of the Velveteen Dream match. Because Dream, the storyline there was those two trying to outdo each other in the ring. And both of them being athletic freaks. Whereas Adam Cole is just a good wrestler, but a really smarmy asshole who can storytell well in the ring about being a cheater. And Ricochet will just have to run circles around him and, you know, do most of the heavy lifting for this match, move-wise. But I, I'm excited for this one. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of the top matches of the show. It's not going to be the show-stealer, that's for sure. But, you know, this will be a lengthy match. It'll be good. I'm, I'm going to go with Adam Cole retaining the belt here. I think... You know, Undisputed Era still hot, red, red hot right now. Probably will cheat as always to retain the belt. Won't be, the, won't be a DQ, but I expect the rest of the crew to show up, cause some interference because Ricochet doesn't really have anybody watching his back right now. So the number game will catch up to him, and Adam Cole will steal the win. I don't think it'll be a, a, a roll-up of any sort. I think he'll just, you know, get some interference, hit his finisher, and then just pin him. So that's what I think for that match. What else do we have on NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4? Again, speaking of the Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly, since Bobby Fish is still out injured, he seemed to look okay this week, though. He's not on crutches. He seems to be recovering well, so hopefully we see him back in the ring soon. But it's Undisputed Era defending their titles against Mustache Mountain. And this is, again, going to be an excellent match. Because if you haven't seen it, go back to the NXT where we had the title rematch of these two. I will admit I have not seen the the... The UK Championship match where Mustache Mustache Mountain won the belts, but I can tell you that the rematch where Undisputed Era won the belts back, fantastic. With the whole story being about Trent Seven's knee giving out, and the Undisputed Era focusing on it, while Tyler Bate having to throw the towel in for his father figure 
to make sure that he did not permanently hurt himself because he knew that Seven would not give up for, you know, for any reason because those belts meant a lot to him and Tyler. Fantastic match. Make sure you check it out. It's it's it was within the past month on NXT TV. But Mustache Mountain are just a really really fun team. I'm glad that they're pushing them in NXT because we had this weird singles run for Tyler Bate at first, but now we're 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 where he belongs. He needs he's fun. There's a bunch of comedy involved with these two. I was at the Progress show a couple weeks ago in Philadelphia with these two having a match, and my God, it was fantastic. Because the majority of the of the first half of the match was Trent Seven going for a dive, you know, like a standing dive, not not the top rope or anything, just off the mat, went for a dive, it missed, and he just was dead for the rest of that first half of the match, with people having to pick him up and you know, push and move him around, kind of weekends at Bernie style, and it just not going well for anyone. See, yeah, these two are great. I really hope they continue to have a lot of success, not just in the UK division that they're starting up, but in actual NXT as well. Keep them around. They are fantastic. I already spoke my piece about the Undisputed Era. I think they are just brilliant. If you if you didn't see their match the last takeover against uh, Player 1 and Player 2, which they, those two kind of disappeared after their match which is a bummer but yeah that match was a hell of a way to start off that takeover I I could probably see this match also starting off takeover since it's been a trend of the tag titles kicking things off and just burning the house down so we can see that again here Undisputed Era are fantastic I think they're going to retain the belts Again, Undisputed Era is on fire right now. And also the fact that the next takeover is War Games. Which is their match now after last year. So to have them go in with all the belts would be pretty good. It's a shame that that, that means that they would, the belts would not be defended on the show. But it's, it's War Games, guys. War Games is the best. Just have them go in strong with all the belts, trying to retain their title of the Kings of the War Games. And should should be good. So yeah, that's Undisputed Era, I think, are going to retain the belts against Mustache Mountain. Much as I love them, they're going to be... For the time being, they need to help establish the NXT UK division. And I guess they're going to get belts over there? I'm not sure. I would think they would get a women's and tag belts for the UK, right? Not sure. After that, we have the NXT Women's Championship, which is a rematch of the first Mae Young Classic. It's Shayna Baszler against Kyrie Sane, and boy... As my tune changed. Because if you were not 
you know, following the sights during the first Mayon Classic. I hated this match. It was so bad. I tried. I, it was pretty high up on our worst match of the year list because at the time, Shayna Baszler did not know how to sell. She was just she didn't know how to you know hold back her her strikes. Straight up gave Kyrie Sanic a goddamn concussion. It was just nasty. So now we've had some time. And Kyrie Sane has, you know, continued to improve. She has her pirate character now fully fleshed out. Shayna Baszler, most improved of the year by far so far. Like, wow. She has been absolutely killer. She nails her character. She looks tenacious in the ring, but also safe, which is a huge thing. Like, Beat the shit out of people, but also do it safely. Don't actually, like, injure people. That's not how wrestling works. So that, that's been great. And uh, the storyline going into this is that Shayna Baszler is a big bully, just murdering everyone, including Nikki Cross at the last takeover. Straight up knocked her ass out. And they had a, uh, a triple threat to determine the number one contender. Carry same one. Sets up this match where Shayna is, is keeps saying like, "Yeah, you can't stop me. You're too weak. You're too small. You're who gives a shit about the first Mayon Classic? Since then, I I destroyed you, which is true. She beat her since then, and for some reason, Kari Sane's gotten this real mean streak going, which kind of rivals Shayna." And she had a match this week against Alea and pretty much wrecked her shit with submissions. So, yeah. This is going to lead to a very interesting match, which will be completely different from the, their May Young Classic confrontation. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be good. As for who I think is going to win... I mean, Shane Baszler's got retained, right? She's. I don't see this show really moving the needle for NXT like in the new direction because everything seems to be rolling real good right now. No need to steer it off course outside of you know the main title. So I see Shane Baszler retaining, which sets up nicely because her friend. Ronda Rousey is going for a title as well this weekend. So, why not have the friends both have belts? Makes sense. So yeah, it's my pick. Shane Baszler retaining in a surprisingly good match. Against Kyrie Sane. And our main event of the evening. The NXT Championship... Last man standing match between Tommaso Ciampa, the champion, and Johnny Gargano. And I am not looking forward to this match. Which you may think, well, why? They've been made eventing the past few takeovers and they've all been excellent matches. And while you're right, also they've been made eventing the last several takeovers. I get it. I'm done. I don't 
I don't need more of this. I know Ciampa just got the belt. We could have if we could have saved this and just had something different this time, which they had until Alistair Black got injured. And now we have this weird whole who done it angle going on with that, with him being attacked in the in the lock or in the back in the parking lot, and there being video showing a lot of different superstars nearby who could possibly have been the person to commit the crime. Which, I don't understand why we're doing this. It's clear the person that took him out is Kevin Owens. Because remember, he's the one who took out Hideo Itami, even though we never got confirmation of that. Yeah, he, he took out Hideo Itami back then. It's pretty obvious. So yeah, because of that, I had suggested the other week that instead of having a singles match with Ciampa and Gargano, why not include Dream and and EC3, combine it and make it a four-way, which adds a new dynamic to this and makes it more interesting because not much is going on with EC3 and Dream right now. I don't see a lot of chemistry, but add a title, add more people in the match, could be exciting. No, we're not doing that. Instead, we have this last man standing match. <sighs> it's going to end with someone, you know, taping the other person's feet together or something, right? Like they're they're not going to just knock someone out. It's going to be some dirty finish, and the crowd's going to go mild. I'm not looking forward to this. Um, as much as I love the feud, it's it's getting it's starting to wear on me. I'm guessing Ciampa's gonna retain because he's an asshole and he just won the belt. It there's not a lot of momentum again behind Johnny at the moment, so a win from him wouldn't be as big a deal as it would be at say uh, WrestleMania weekend next year. Like, that would be a good spot for him to win the belt. Probably not at War Games, because the War Games will be overshadowing it. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, Chopper retain the belt in an okay match, which it'll get a hardcore stuff will be going around. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's all my predictions for TakeOver. But, except for one thing, I have a prediction, though that we are going to see what's what's his name the guy the guy that's the, the weed weed man we're going to see weed man show up matt riddle he's going to show up in the crowd which means as everyone suspects he's going to sign with NXT i really hope that they show him at, at ringside he's smoking a big old blunt is that or wearing a shirt about weed? Because that would be hilarious. Yeah, that's NXT Takeover Brooklyn Four airs this Saturday on the WWE Network. It's gonna be better than the show on Sunday, though the show on Sunday does have some intrigue with the main event, as I had mentioned in the news about will Brock Lesnar resign or not. But let's. Let's let's move over to talking about SummerSlam. Uh, 
and then we'll get to that at the end because that's clearly going to be the main event. So let's let's start off with the kickoff show for SummerSlam. SummerSlam this Sunday, Barclays Center, because always the Barclays Center. We're gonna have four straight nights at the Barclays Center with NXT, and then SummerSlam, and then Raw, and then SmackDown. As someone who did the four straight nights for the Royal Rumble, that's a lot of wrestling. It's a lot. So let's start off with the kickoff show. We have two matches so far confirmed for the two-hour kickoff. They should probably add a third, because what, the whole kickoff is going to be a bunch of recaps and interviews for two hours? At least give us some matches. One of them is for the Raw Tag Team titles. It's the match we were supposed to get last week on Raw. With the B-Team defending against the Revival. Not sure why we had to tease it and then move it two weeks later to SummerSlam on the kickoff show. It's, I, I'm, I'm telling you, this... I bet there's not going to be a lot of people in the crowd for this match. And it's not going to get a lot of heat because it doesn't matter. The B-team's going to do their thing that they've been doing of... Hey, we used to be terrible, but now we're winning all the matches for... Uh, who who knows why? Maybe they got Kenny Omega's book about winning and now they just can't stop winning. They had the B-team... This feud is just... Whatever. The B-team thing is terrible. They're going to retain. The Revival are going to continue to mean nothing. Because the booking in the Raw Tag Division is terrible. Remember the Authors of Pain? They don't have a... They, they don't even have a match on this. And they've been building up this bullshit with Titus Worldwide. I don't know why. Remember when the Authors of Pain were good? Ugh. The other uh, match on the kickoff is a mixed tag with Rusev and Lana taking on Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega, which is super obvious it's going to happen. Because the story has been for the past few weeks, well, first it was back at the last pay-per-view where Rusev took on AJ Styles for the title, and oops, Aiden English tried to help and cost Rusev in the match. Then it's been, here's Rusev against Andrade. Oops, Aiden English tried to help, screwed him up. And he loses the match. Lana tries to fight Zelina Vega. Aiden English shows up, whoops, lose the match. Do it again, whoops, lose the match again because of Aiden English. Rusev again, whoops, he lost the match because of Aiden English. And English is an asshole. And he keeps screwing it up. Just leave him alone, dude. I know you were trying to help, but stop. Unless you're turning heel and turning on them. Which I'm fine with. But please. Don't let this match be a result of Aiden English tries to interfere and actually helps this time. Because that would be so lame. Instead, what's going to happen is 
in English is going to try to help and cost Rusev. Well, I think what's going to happen is he's going to help and almost cost Rusev a lot of the match until he gets laid out by Andrade, and that sets up Lana stealing the win. So, finally, Rusev and Lana get their win on the kickoff that no one cares about. Whoops. So yeah, that's our two kickoff matches. I'm I'm sure some people will watch them. I will probably watch them in retrospect. I'm not gonna watch it live. It's yeah, I don't think people understand this show's gonna be like seven hours. Six or seven hours. It's gonna be a really long show. And so let's get to it. The first match I have written here on the main card is Cedric Alexander defending the Cruiserweight Championship against Drew Gulak. Let me lay it out here. I love Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak's great. 205 Live is a trash fire that no one should be watching. Even we don't cover it on this show, because why would we? We get our two hours of good wrestling on Tuesday night. We don't need whatever is happening with the purple ropes. I still love Drew Gulak. I would love it if he won the belt here. And that's my prediction. I am going to say Drew Gulak is going to win the belt. Because nothing is happening on 205 Live right now. And that would be a great shakeup. Have him win it and be... A king, a to- a totalitarian, a dictator. Let him rule 205 Live with an iron fist and in- pretty much lay out his rules for the show. It's probably not going to happen, but that's my prediction anyway. I'm sticking with my guns. Drew Gulak's going to make 205 Live better. I'm not going to watch it. All right, I'll- Here's the deal. I will watch... Next week's episode of 205 Live, if he wins the championship at SummerSlam. That's that's my ultimatum, WWE. I will tune into your crappy program if you put the belt on the right guy. Make it happen. I I, I can't really delve deeper into the whole feud that's going on here, because I honestly have no idea. People don't watch 205 Live. Speaking of things people don't care about, the next match on my list here is Finn Balor against Constable Baron Corbin. We've we've done this match. We've done this match a few times. We did it the last pay-per-view, didn't we? Yeah, they're still doing this thing with Finn Balor because, I don't know. He's the... Remarkable, the uh, the the ordinary man that does extraordinary things is that the, is that his tagline now? Do you remember when Finn Balor was cool when he had a demon, which doesn't exist anymore? When he, you know, kind of had an interesting character by being kind of a tweener asshole with Gallows and Anderson for like three weeks, and then they got shipped off to SmackDown. Like, there's been glimmers of hope for Finn Balor. 
But WWE's creative constantly screwed him up and made him out to be lame. Like, he has a great look, and he's a super nice guy. But they're doing nothing with him, and this this Corbin stuff is just bad. I'll give Corbin credit, though. He is a, like, not, not in the ring. In the ring, he is garbage. He is just awful. But when it comes to, like, cutting promos and his whole demeanor, he's really good at being a bully. I enjoy that part, but... Sadly, Finn Balor into this feud. Sure, gets in TV time, but also is doing nothing for his character that's interesting at all. And these matches have been terrible. I predict another terrible match. They're going to go, like, hell, I'm going to say give them at minimum 10 minutes of this crap. And Finn Balor is going to win. Because, because of course, the good guy is going to... Win because none of this matters. What? Who cares if he wins? I bet you Corbin's still an asshole to him on Raw. I'm, nothing's gonna change. And I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. We have a match for the SmackDown tag titles on the main card. I. I would say I don't know why this one's on the main card and the other one isn't. But the New Day are a hot commodity, and actually right now they are they have reignited their brand in a major way. So yeah, we got the Bludgeon Brothers, who I just don't know what their deal is anymore. Like, the past few weeks have been, we're doing handicap matches against a bunch of small jobbers. And we're just decimating them because that's supposed to be impressive. It, it's not. Not impressive at all. Whereas the New Day is over here winning a tournament. And then also this week beating Saturday in a six-person tag. Like having entertaining, energetic, fun matches. We've had this match against the Bludgeon Brothers before. It wasn't great because the Bludgeon Brothers dragged a new day down. Hopefully it's different this time. I'm Hopefully it's different. I don't think it is going to be different. And I think that the, the Bludgeon Brothers are going to do the thing they do. and just Actually, you know what? No. This is in Brooklyn. This is where the New Day... Began the longest rate the the longest streak as Titan champions in recent memory. New Day's gonna win. They're gonna find a way to hit Harper. No, I'm gonna say Rowan. They're gonna hit Rowan with the Midnight Hour and pick up the win. Vic, new champions, the New Day. Let the celebration begin. Because please, for the love of God, get the belts off the Bludgeon Brothers. It is literally killing me every time I see them try to put on a match and go five miles an hour. My God. We have the SmackDown. No, no we just did the SmackDown Titan Titans. How about SmackDown's United States Championship? In a match that shouldn't be on this card. 
It's Shinsuke Nakamura against Jeff Hardy. Why? I get it that Shinsuke has to do his rematch because of the clause with Jeff Hardy, but ever since the last pay-per-view, the feud's been with Randy Orton. Randy Orton's not on the card, even. Why isn't this a triple threat? Why isn't Randy Orton involved? Because Shinsuke has been, like, a background character with maybe, like, one entertaining promo a couple weeks ago. But, yeah. Everyone, this is SummerSlam. This is, like, the big event of the summer. Why aren't you having the marquee match with Randy Orton? You could have given Shinsuke something else or made this a triple threat. But instead, what we're going to get is the same thing we got before on SmackDown when they had the rematch. And that is, these two are going to fight for a while and have a good match. And then Randy Orton's going to show up and fuck it all up. It, 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 it's pretty basic. It, it's obviously what's going to happen. It's not going to be good. Kind of a waste of time. So yeah, Nakamura's going to retain the belt by the, because of disqualification. Jeff Hardy's going to win. But not the belt. The Intercontinental Championship is on the line. That's Raw's mid-card title. With Dolph Ziggler, who this week was sporting his, uh, his Evolution Triple H hair. Jesus Christ. Going against Seth Rollins. Mr. Mr. Burn It Down himself. And, uh... The interesting thing about this is what happened on Monday. Because this whole feud has been... Dolph Ziggler is only champion because... His buddy Drew McIntyre is always at ringside causing interference. So, Seth Rollins has always had the numbers against him. So, he, so this week he brought back Dean Ambrose. Remember him? He was injured for a while, now he's back. And he's looking real jacked, baby. And also he has like a buzz cut. And like a nicely trimmed beard. And it's fucking weird. Which is a good thing, because he's the lunatic fringe. That's the thing, he, that's the way he should be. He should be insane looking in a weird off-putting way. So yeah. Everyone, both, both men are have someone in their corner. I could... I could see Seth Rollins actually winning the belt here. Because Dean Ambrose is gonna even the odds and help him pick up the victory in a semi-clean way. Not fully clean. Because, you know, it is Dean Ambrose after all. He's going to do some bullshit. So, yeah. After that, we're still we're going to stick to the Raw side. As we have a match where if Braun Strowman loses in any way, be it a countout, be it disqualification... I, I don't know any other way he could... By knockout? Whatever. 
If Braun Strowman loses in any way, he will lose his Money in the Bank briefcase to his opponent, who is Kevin Owens. And this feud has actually been pretty good. You know, considering the fact that they've really been underutilizing Kevin Owens on Raw. Because it all went back to Money in the Bank, where Braun had Kevin Owens on top of a ladder and threw him off onto a bunch of tables and, like, really fucked him up. Then Kevin Owens, you know, tried to be nice to him about it, but Braun Strowman was a dick. So they had a cage match at Extreme Rules. And the result of that was Braun Strowman throwing Kevin Owens off the top of the cage through the announce table. Which... Technically, Matt Kevin Owens won, but still, did did he win? So he's been a, being a big bully to him. He's been doing things like locking him in a porta potty and flipping it over, you know, crushing his car, just being an asshole, pretty much. Braun Strowman is the good guy, and he's been really mean to Kevin Owens, who hasn't really had much of a response to any of this. Except, you know, go talk to his his parents. And by that, I mean, talk to Stephanie McMahon, who set up this match. So, for some reason, we've had Jinder Mahal involved on Raw as well. And him having matches with Braun, where Braun's been getting disqualified. Or counted out. To go, hey, that's what could happen to him at SummerSlam. Oh, snap. But also, why are we including Jinder Mahal in anything? Make him go away, please. So we've got that going on. And I... This is a tough one. To pick a winner, because this could go multiple ways. It depends on the way the main event goes. With Roman and Brock. I could see it that... Roman Reigns wins the title if Brock is not re-signing. And then have Braun cash in on him to make the crowd happy. Or, you know, you can have it that Kev- that yeah, Roman Reigns wins the belt and then have Kevin Owens cash in because the crowd loves him and he's also it also would be a really shitty heel thing to do. Or, you know, have Brock retain the title and go away and just have Kevin Owens hang out with the briefcase for a while since Brock's not going to be around doing his UFC thing. I'm guessing probably Braun's going to retain it because it'd be a bigger moment for someone who's not won the Universal title before to be able to cash in this briefcase and win it at the end of the night. If that's the direction they do go, so yeah, they're gonna. Kevin Owens is gonna try everything in his power to get Braun to, you know, get disqualified or counted out, but it's not gonna work. He's gonna get these hands. Boom! Braun Strowman continues to be monster in the bank or whatever the hell they're calling him now. We got a match, a triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. 
with Carmella defending against Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. And this this story's been excellent. Especially with the dynamics they added this week on SmackDown. With, you know, two of the four horsewomen pretty much calling out Carmella for being a diva in the women's era. And Carmella being like, so? There's a, we're allowed to have different people. You know, not, not everyone has to be, oh, I'm just a good wrestle lady. That's my gimmick. Like, there's room for interesting people who are, you know, not the best at wrestling and can still, you know, hold their own when it counts. Unlike these two. Whereas also with these two, we've had the whole story of Becky Lynch going through everyone on the roster, trying to build up her hot streak to finally capture the women's title for the first time since she first held it when the brand split happened. And then she finally gets that opportunity, and what do you know, her best friend Charlotte shows up and somehow stumbles her way into the title match, totally screwing up her game plan of just having Carmella by herself, which she proved in her in her match to, wi- to get the title shot, that she could totally beat her. But now it adds that whole wrinkle of these two friends who are clearly trying to still be friends, but there's lots of animosity against each other because both of them really want that belt, especially Becky. And Carmella, being the asshole that she is, trying to push them against each other and then sneak in from behind and pick up the win. So I think this match is going to be fun. I think Carmella is going to have her weaknesses hidden by you know Charlotte and Becky pretty much taking the spotlight for the in-ring action and her just being a prop that they like work around. But I see Charlotte winning the title here, though. Because you expect that it being in Brooklyn, Carmella could just steal the win as she always does. But I see Charlotte Flair making her tap out to the figure eight before Becky Lynch can do anything. And this just driving Becky insane and leading to Tuesday where she finally snaps, turns on Charlotte and goes heel. Which I know a lot of people aren't a fan of because they love Becky Lynch. But we haven't had a heel Becky Lynch since her days in NXT where she was with Sasha. It's That's a long time. And I get it, Charlotte is a great heel, yes, but she's been positioned so highly up as like the lead babyface that having this, having her have a foil in Becky Lynch could lead to a lot of excellent matches and a fresh, you know, fresh character for Becky. So that that's what I think. I think because you don't want to have Becky win the belt here because I think it's like way too soon and also it's in such a nothing match in this triple threat all things considered as you know even though I was saying it's going to be a good match still not the platform that you want her to get this belt I see that more happening down the line closer to WrestleMania as kind of a redemption of her like realizing that you know she shouldn't be such a shitty heel turn things back around do it the right way win the belt 
against Charlotte in a double turn at WrestleMania. So, yep, that's my pick. I think it's going to be Charlotte Flair winning the championship. Moving on to the Raw Women's Championship match with everyone's favorite, Alexa Bliss, defending her championship against Rowdy Ronda Rousey. I know. I get it. You don't have to tell me. Ronda Rousey, outside the ring, not the best person. And it's hard, and when in that context, it's hard to root for her. Yes, I know. But, as an in-ring performer, she is excellent. I know, I did, it's, it's hard to separate the two, but she has been stellar since WrestleMania. Her promos have even gotten better. Like, she's still not great on the mic. But on Monday, with her promo against Alexa Bliss, after having to do that whole, you know, tribute to Jim Neidhart, she held her own. She was again wasn't the best, but she like is really improving. And her off and her in ring after that match with Alicia Fox the other week, still nasty and totally original. Like, there's nothing else in the WWE right now that looks like this. And maybe that's a good thing, because it looks very snug. Like, she's doing her judo throws, and her MMA holds. As if she were actually to do them. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like she's actually legitimately hurting people. But yeah, like... I know Shayna Baszler has a similar background, and she also has kind of an MMA style of in-ring, but it doesn't... Hers looks like it transitioned more into professional wrestling, whereas Ronda's offense doesn't seem to really, you know, look different than what she was doing in the UFC. And it's really cool. Also, she kind of held her own against that bat on Raw this week, because that bat was scary, and it flying around ringside. She, 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 she did pretty well. Also, I have to, like, disclose that if you don't follow the site and the podcast, back in January, me and Rhonda high-fived at the Royal Rumble, which is a binding contract that means that we're friends. Don't argue, that's how it works. I didn't make the rules. High-five someone at a wrestling show, you instantly become friends. I, I don't get it, but I have to abide by it. So I have to stick with my friend here. Ronda Rousey is going to beat the shit out of Alexa Bliss and win the championship. I think Alexa should get like zero offense in this match. It should be levels of Brock Lesnar versus John Cena at SummerSlam a few years ago. Like she should just get rocked because any offense that Alexa, like this little tiny girl does against Ronda Rousey would look totally unbelievable. So just have Ronda um, annihilate her for like four or five minutes. Pick up the win. Wins her first championship. Probably have the rest of the four horse women of MMA come in and celebrate with her. Have a, have your SummerSlam moment there. 
I'm sure ESPN will be all over it. That's my pick. I th- I'm saying Ronda Rousey wins her first WWE Championship against Alexa Bliss this Sunday. This next match is probably my number one most anticipated match of the weekend. And that is Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. And I have to tell you right now, if you did not watch SmackDown this week, go to the WWE's YouTube and watch all three segments that they did for this feud. Because it is everything that I wanted for this build. So on SmackDown this week, they aired three parts of telling the eight-year history of The Miz versus Daniel Bryan. Starting in NXT... Which, you know, not current NXT, the bullshit reality show, obstacle course running garbage version of NXT. Where he had the rookies and pros, and The Miz was the pro for Danny Bryan. And Danny Bryan lost every single match that he was in. The Miz just humiliated him the entire time, trying to mold him into being him. And ended up with Danny Bryan beating The Miz on Raw on his first match outside of NXT. So yeah. It goes off from there. It goes through uh, Talking Smack with that whole situation. And it continues up to his return to the ring at WrestleMania last year. It's excellently done because it combines like some actual like non-kayfabe Storytelling, like Danny Bryan explaining that he didn't quit and stayed as the GM because he made he made a promise to Vince McMahon that he would at least you know fulfill his contract, while also like playing into the kayfabe as well with the Miz set calling him a coward for not fighting back, Daniel Bryan having you know stories about NXT like building it if it's an actual contest. Like, it, it walked a very fine line of storytelling for this match and also sprinkling in reality, and it worked perfectly. Combine that with all the builds we've had with the the baby doll incident, Danny Bryan attacking the Miz on the set of Miz and Mrs. and getting a goddamn vase smashed over his head. It's This has been... Truly has been eight years in the making. It's, especially the past year. With the whole Danny Bryan retirement and the Talking Smack incidents. This is going to be a huge match. I... It's, it's a high bar set for this. With all the build-up. And I really hope it's, it you know meets those expectations, and even surpasses them. Give this match plenty of time. Have the dynamic of Daniel Bryan going all out, using some risky moves, while The Miz steals some of Bryan's own moves, while also playing completely safe. And, I'm gonna say it. What if The Miz wins? What if The Miz is right? That Danny Bryan isn't as good as The Miz, and he 
pulls out the upset victory. How, how, how pissed off would that crowd be? How pissed off would you be? Because here's the thing. If Daniel Bryan wins, this feud's over. But if The Miz wins, we could keep this thing going. So I say, well, let's, let's keep going, baby. Let's, let's have these, guys, these two feud even longer and add more fuel to The Miz's fire. Hell, maybe even you know, get Miz into the title picture and have these two feud over the WWE Championship in the fall. Because this could be your marquee feud if you want to take a break from AJ Styles for a bit. That's my pick. I'm picking the Miz to win. Crazy, I know. And now we're getting to the championship matches for this show. We have for the WWE Championship, AJ Styles defending against Samoa Joe. I got a little taste of this a couple weeks ago at a house show in Wildwood, New Jersey. Yeah, these two are going to have a great match. And if you haven't been watching SmackDown, this storyline is something else. They are they are going some weird places with this. With uh, Samoa Joe essentially guilesing Styles by telling him to go home and be a family man. And that the only reason he's the champion and so dedicated to wrestling is that he doesn't want to be around his family. And it's kind of fucking up AJ Styles going, yeah, I, I, it, is, it sucks. But, you know, I really need, need to strive to be the best. It's kind of my thing. And then Samoa Joe ending SmackDown this week by writing a letter from his wife, AJ Styles' wife, saying essentially that Styles never, you know, like, doesn't love his family and never even wanted them. And all he cared about is himself. And it, that's just how the show ended. He read this letter and, and read that the name at the end of it was Wendy Styles, and the show just ended. It's fucking weird, and I love it. I hope they have AJ Styles' wife or an actress playing her get involved in this match at ringside on, on Sunday and actually cost Styles to match. Bonus points if they actually get Claire Lynch to do it. For if people were watching, you know, TNA back in the in the day when AJ Styles was stuck in that hole storyline. Look it up. It's it's not good. See, I I think that's going to happen. I think Samoa Joe is going to use these mind games and his manipulation and he's going to does he still do the muscle buster? No, I'm going to say he's going to he's going to make AJ Styles pass out with the Kukina clutch. Samoa Joe finally puts an end to AJ Styles' title reign and wins the WWE championship. Using mind games. But that's the thing. It's Joe's so dangerous. He can brutally assault you, and also he can totally get in your head and mess with you. 
So there you go. I think I think Samojo is going to win his first WWE Championship. Which brings us to the main event for the Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar, the Universal Champion, against Roman Reigns. And we had an interesting thing going last week because we had Paul Heyman kind of break up, I should say, with Brock Lesnar, with Brock Lesnar assaulting him a couple weeks back, and then Paul Heyman having this sit-down interview with Renee in shambles. Like, Brock Lesnar won't answer his phone. He's beside himself. He doesn't know what to do. Roman is totally screwed. Unless... Which he didn't finish. And this week, we figured out what the unless was. And that was unless he he enlists Paul Heyman's help to figure out the secrets of how to beat Brock Lesnar. And I liked this to an effect. I get why they 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 did the ending the way they did. But I also wouldn't have minded if they kept it open-ended in the SummerSlam. So we had this in-ring segment of Paul Heyman trying to propose he works with Roman Reigns to be Brock Lesnar. And even goes as far as to speak to Roman in Samoan that he picked up from Roman's father when he used to travel with him. And he gave him a proposal paper and... I think that segment should have ended like that. But instead, Paul Heyman maced Roman Reigns in the goddamn face. It was all a ruse. Brock Lesnar comes out, hands Paul the belt, and just assaults a blinded Roman Reigns. It looked vicious. They were probably doing this to try to get sympathy for Roman heading into the match. As in, oh man, he totally got screwed there. And he's being, you know beaten while he can't see. This, these people are despicable. But instead, the crowd were cheering for Brock, which is not what they wanted. Whoops. I would have liked the open-ended thing and then have Paul Heyman reveal that he was with Brock the whole time at the show, but they took, they took their shot. It failed. What can you do? But that doesn't matter. The whole question heading into this is behind-the-scenes information. As I said at the top of the show during the news segment, will Brock Lesnar re-sign with the WWE? Either as full-time or splitting his time with the UFC. Because that will determine the winner of this match. If Brock Lesnar can somehow convince the WWE to let him work both promotions. He's retaining that belt. And he's going to try to win both championships at the same time. If he's going UFC full-time, Roman is going to win the belt. And then probably get cashed in on either that night or the next night in Brooklyn to appease that crowd. And if he's just in WWE the whole time, then he's still going to retain the belt. 
So, two of the three options has has Brock retained the belt. I I think that what's going to happen is he is going to convince them to let him compete in both companies at the same time. And Brock is going to retain the title and disappear again. Because Roman, they keep trying. He's he's not going to beat Brock. Don't care what you say about the Saudi Arabia show. Doesn't exist. That was a bad show. Full of bad people. I bet everyone's going to be thrilled about Brock Lesnar retain the belt again. Which is the same fucking ending of WrestleMania. Isn't that exciting? That's it. That's it for that's it for SummerSlam. It's gonna be a super super damn long show. It's gonna go close to seven hours. And it's gonna end with either Brock Lesnar retaining the belt or Braun Strowman holding up the belt after cashing in. And if no one in the chat has any questions or wants anything else, you know, clarified then I am going to bring this show to a conclusion. That's Heel Turn for this week. It is a production of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's .cool. And we do this show live every Wednesday for the time being a little after 9 o'clock Eastern Time until the Mayon Classic starts and then we will go on the air after that concludes. But yeah, we do this live every week on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. If you're not following that channel, you should give it a follow. Get updated when we do this show because next week we'll be back recapping how I was wrong about everything for the past hour and 15 minutes. But yeah, if you want to follow us, we have a website. ProWrestling.Cool It's a real website, it's a URL, I swear it works. You can go to it. We have... Starting next week, we're going to be back to recapping the weekly shows in written form there. We were swamped with other things for the past few weeks, because if you are a Patreon subscriber at our Patreon at patreon.com slash pwc, we've been covering the G1 Climax 28 me and my pal Trace Evans have been doing five-hour podcasts every week. Five hours! It's a lot of time. But we've been doing that every week, recapping the week's worth of G1 shows, running down every single match, telling you what you should use your time wisely watching. And if you are listening to the podcast version of Heel Turn, then after this, in the feed should be a free episode covering nights 16, 17, and 18 of the G1. We're doing that as a little bonus for people to give them a little taste of what we've been doing, so make sure you check that out. And if you're subscribed to the Patreon, then there will also be another bonus podcast, which will be our coverage of the G1 Finals. Who won how crazy the undercard was for that show, because it was it was pretty wild, and then our final thoughts about the tournament as a whole. So, that'll be up on the Patreon. 
if you want to follow us on social media, Facebook, search for ProWrestling.cool or go to Facebook.com slash PWDOTC. Over on the Twitterverse, you know, the, the, bad, the bad website over there, follow us at the Heel Turn or at PWDOTC. And if you, for some reason, want to follow me personally on Twitter, my Twitter is at the underscore ozone. That's it. We are done here. Next time I he- you hear from me, we'll be on the other end of SummerSlam weekend. And I'll be back here saying, I can't believe Roman won. And then he punched, Brock- then he punched Braun Strowman in the face. And then he failed to cash in too. And then he looked strong. And I'm going to be really mad if that actually comes true. So we'll be back next week with another podcast running down everything that's been going on so until then y'all come back now you hear This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.